Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the First and Orange Podcast, your Broncos podcast presented by the Denver Post. My name is Nick Cosmider. I'm joined by my colleague, Nikki Javala. We're both just back from Indianapolis and the Underwear Olympics, otherwise known as the NFL Combine, <laughs> uh, where we got to see more than 300 players um, tested in every kind of way, talking to every you know media member seemingly that covers uh, the NFL. It was a whirlwind experience in which we all stayed up way too late and, and ate terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I thought it was um, pretty good, Nikki. Uh, some good value, some opportunity to see mm-hmm. some of these prospects we hear so much about. Um, a chance to kind of talk to the to the Broncos, Vance Joseph and John Elway, hear some of what they're feeling between um, you know the combine and free agency approaching, which we'll get to that. But I just want to know what were your kind of your initial, as you think back on the combine, your initial, I guess, uh, impressions or the yeah. things you took away. I think it's, the two biggest ones are, you know, first with the Broncos, I thought John Elway, he was kind of on fire that day. He, he laid out his vision, you know, whether some of these things come to fruition or not remains to be seen, but he kind of laid out his vision for this offseason and what he hopes to achieve and in remaking the Broncos. And, you know, he said he's going to scour the free agent market for a quarterback. Um, I, I think everybody knows they're, they're in the chase for Kirk Cousins and then, you know, plans A, B, and C from there. Well, We'll find out soon enough. But he, he kind of went from position to position, player to player, and you know said who would be back, who probably wouldn't be back. Um, though on those, you have to kind of read between the lines with like Aqib Tlaib and C.J. Anderson. Um, wouldn't say either way, which you know is hedging, I thought, said plenty. Certainly, because um, there's other guys he said directly that he exactly, wanted to bring back. Like, you know, he said Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders – the plan is to bring them back. I think, you know, they will be back, and I think a lot of it right now is tied to the fact that they want to pursue a high-priced quarterback. So I don't think you could say your top two receivers wouldn't be back if you're in the chase for an expensive quarterback. But those two guys are expected to be back. Derek Wolf expected to be back. Paxton Lynch, um, which, you know, financially alone would make sense. Um, and, you know, they have a lot invested in, in him as a first-round pick. But – you know, others probably won't. Akeem, CJ, Trevor Simeon, I would expect them to, to shop him around to see what they can get. So that was one thing, just kind of seeing how he views the team going forward and some of the changes he wants to make. And then the other thing with um, the draft prospects, I thought a few really stood out, a few um, bolstered their case to be top five picks. I mean, I, I think what they've shown on the field is plenty, but, you know, after listening to them talk, seeing them perform under the pressure um, of the combine, I thought was really impressive. And those guys are, are Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson, and I think Bradley Chubb is just a freak athlete. So um, if the Broncos do hold on to that top five pick, if they do get a Kirk Cousins in free agency, um, I, I think their options in the first round are – extremely interesting yeah no and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was kind of my my biggest takeaway after getting to spend some time around those those prospects uh, Saquon Barkley the electric running back out of Penn State Quentin Nelson the guard out of Notre Dame and then you know then Chubb the last day we were there on Saturday talked to him the the really effective pass rusher out of North Carolina State and um, I think you could also we we left before he talked but Mika Fitzpatrick the mm. you know the Swiss Army mm-hmm. knife defensive back out of Alabama would be another guy in that region and um you know, Kirk Cousins, I, I think we've talked about this before. My general thought going into the combine was if the Broncos are able to sign Kirk Cousins, then they would use that top. I think that they should and would probably use that top five pick 
um, to get one of those impact type players. And so in that scenario, you're upgrading, you're greatly enhancing your quarterback position and you're making a big upgrade at some other position of need. And so all of a sudden, um, you know, within, within that first pick and the free agency portion of it, you've, you've really kind of generated some, some potential, um, playmaking, whether it's on the edge as a pass rusher or, you know, a guy that could boost your running ability or an actual, um, running back. And, and I so liked Barkley and, and Chubb and Nelson and, and just sort of kind of imagining how they would fit in that I'm not even now to the, I'm even now to the point where I think maybe if you're, if the guy you get, because we know Kirk Cousins can only play for one team. If the guy you get is, say, a Case Keenum or, or somebody in that realm, I still think it might be enticing to to look at one of those mm-hmm. electric guys at the top because um, with with how many quarterbacks there are in the draft and how many quarterback needy teams there are, the chance of you getting a blue-chip non-quarterback prospect at number five would be would be pretty high. Um you know, of course, if you if you skip out on one of these quarterbacks who might end up being a franchise guy, um, you know, then you're kind of looking back on that too. So that that's sort of my thought. What's your kind of thought on that particular part of it? Well, I think it's going to come down to two things. Really, is you know, what do they think about the quarterbacks in this draft? I mean, it's said to be quarterback heavy. Do they really think that one of these top four guys or five, if you include Lamar Jackson? is the guy of the future. Could they see him in their system? Could they see him as a guy that could learn from a veteran for a year or two and then step up and become that guy? I think the other thing you have to consider is where do they really think Paxton Lynch is at right now? Um, Because he's going to be on the roster for another year, it looks like. Do they think he can blossom into... um, you know what they expected him to be yeah. when they traded up to and draft John him Elway two said years this ago. week he still thinks Paxton yeah. Lynch can be. So what do they think is the ceiling and the trajectory for Paxton Lynch? Because if they still think he can become that guy, then why spend your pick on another first round pick? Um, and use it on another, like you said, another impact player that can improve the offense, improve the defense, and kind of build around that position. So I, I think those are the two questions they have to figure out between now and in the draft is. What do they really see in those guys, and what do they really see in Paxton Lynch? Because that could be the deciding factor of, you know, how they build for the future. Yeah, and that, that's a great point too, especially when you consider, as you mentioned, um, if they think one of those guys is really their guy. And the reason that's interesting is because at, in India, Indy this week, I I, I felt like I ta- asked everybody, you know, mostly media members, but other people that you know I just came across mm-hmm. as to who do you think the best quarterback is. And for all the talent that's in this class um, between those four or five guys you mentioned, there really doesn't seem to be a consensus. It's really hard to find, whether it's mock drafts you're looking at or whether it's people you're talking to, it's hard to find a consensus. There's there's a supposed flaw with each of them, right? Right. With Sam Darnold, maybe his readiness played under pressure, um, Baker Mayfield, his size, and Josh Allen, his accuracy, whatever. Josh Rosen, his health... Um, there's always something. There's not one where it's a clear cut. Yes, he is, you know, he is going to be a franchise player. There's no Andrew Luck in this draft. Um, and I think that goes, and I think it speaks volumes to the draft in and of itself is there's a gamble, uh, more so than free agency, because with free agency, you've seen these guys on the field for the most part, most yeah. likely anyway. Right. Um, their experience varies, um, their playoff experience varies, but. You've seen them at the pro level, which is a very different game from the college game. Um, so you know a little bit more about what you're getting and what the guy can be 
versus a draft where you know it's you're trying to take a player with a ton of potential and, and get the most out of it at a very different game. Yeah, which is I think why you would have to if you're going to the situation where you got a quarterback in free agency, um, and uh, but you're still considering that the, using the number five pick for a quarterback. I think it would have to be this a situation where you trust your scouting, you trust what you've determined within that draft of okay, if this if this guy's our guy, we think he's good enough to be that guy, and if he's there, then we'll go quarterback. But otherwise, maybe not, and not necessarily just like oh well, we need to take a quarterback here because they kind of yeah. did that a little bit with Lynch was that they needed to take a first round quarterback, and they liked him at the time, and there was plenty yeah. of reason to think that. Obviously, we know Dallas was trying to get in that mix too. Um, but I just think that's the thing that they're going to have to go in knowing, being very certain with their scouting, having selected who they think that quarterback is for them, and then if they can get him and, and that's what they want to do, then you follow that, but not get into this sort of like panic I think we're already seeing and sensing in this quarterback market of like, got to yeah. get one of these guys. What would be your ideal scenario um, with free agency and then how you would spend the first pick? Yeah, I, I, I think that... I still think that getting Kirk Cousins, while I, I do believe that there are a, there are other options out there that are that are taking kind of a more under the radar standing in this whole free agency process, I still think getting Kirk Cousins and, and what he can do um, just from day one going in, um, I still think that's the, the biggest win you could get in that thing. And then I would I would you know want to use that number five pick. On one of those guys, and even consider if it's possible, if you have to, to move up. Because if you're to get Kirk Cousins, and then somebody like Saquon Barkley, all of a sudden you go from an offense. <laughs> all of a sudden you yeah. go from having one of the most problematic offenses in the NFL to potentially um, having one of the more dynamic, given yeah. you know a quarterback who can throw it around. And then um, you know I, I think if there was one consensus out of the combine, it seemed to be that Barkley is yeah. the best player there. So. Um, yeah, that, that's that's sort of that's sort of where I'm at. Um, but again, I, I think that I think there was so much attention around Kirk Cousins, and you and I talked about this a little bit before we started this. But there, I, I think that people have to be careful of viewing only getting Cousins as the only victory that you can have, right. you know, in free agency. Which you're right, right. I mean, getting Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback on the open market. But if the Broncos did not get Cousins, if they were to get Keenum, if they were to get Tyra Taylor, if they were to somehow trade for Nick Foles, if you take a quarterback and you pair him with the right people on offense, I think it could be huge for the Broncos. Because you have to remember, they still have a ton of talent on that team. Even if you decide to release Akeem, even if you decide to release CJ, you still have a heck of a defense back there. You still got Von Miller on the edge. You got a line that's improved, but you're going to have to still improve that. You got two receivers who, you know, say what you want about whether they're elite or not. They've played with tons of quarterbacks at varying levels, and they've managed to produce. I think if you have a good quarterback, I think if you have those two receivers, if you bring in another offensive weapon and you have a defense that's still pretty freaking good, they're in a great spot. They should be back in the playoffs with that. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. There, there, there is that chance, and, and that's not even to say something that we'll probably get into next week right before free agency starts, uh, of some of the other positions that they can address uh, in there. I, I think that the the Kirk Cousins thing has just made free agency all about this one this one guy, but there's a lot of other players out there, I right. think, who, who the Broncos could pursue that would help them. Um, before we move move on, since we mentioned asking everybody that uh, we could find about who, what quarterback that they thought 
of these uh, draftees uh, is the best or the most talented or whatever you want to call it. Who, who was your who? Who did you come away most impressed with? Obviously, we didn't we didn't see every throw or whatever, but just sort of the interactions um, that we had with these guys. Well, I thought I, I thought two guys were really impressive on the field, um, and I thought that was Josh Allen. I mean, we've seen him throw those long balls countless times. Um, you know, we've also seen at the Senior Bowl some of you know the the accuracy issues, but. The kid's got an arm, and he's a bright kid. I, th- I thought he handled himself so well at the Combine. I think he's got one of those um, personalities where it's, you know, he, he understands the moment. He understands the pressure. He's also appreciative of it, it sounds like. And, you know, it's hard to dispute the talent there. So I think he would be a tremendous addition to any team. Um, I also thought Baker Mayfield, you know, he would, Comes off as a little bit more arrogant, to put it politely, um, but the guy can make the throws. I still think you know, say what you want about his height, but he he's got a heck of an arm too, and he's accurate. So those two really impressed me. I'm also really curious to see you know how teams view Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, there's so much talk of you know what is he? Is he you know a first round quarterback? Should he play receiver? Which I just think is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and it just shows some of the double standards that, you know, quarterbacks or uh, players of other positions face. Um, I think he's a heck of a talent. I still think he's an underrated talent. I'd be curious to see how he fares and, and what system would be best for him. I, I think he could be really interesting for the Broncos if they decide to go that route, um, you know, especially in Musgrave's system, which is essentially Kubiak's system. Right. I, I think it would be pretty awesome to see a quarterback – with his, his athleticism, um, I, I think that would really take that offense to a new level. I thought I don't know if you saw this, but um, Adam Schefter had a, had an interesting tweet um, shortly after the combine. I think he tweeted that um, uh, at least one team at the combine said they have Houston's Lamar Jackson ranked number two on their board. And then he quickly switched it to say oh. Louisville's, Louisville's. <laughs> well, Lamar kind of Jackson. gave that one away. <laughs> so he sort of gave away what team probably has Jackson number two. And and while Houston's not going to be taking a quarterback, it, it's I think to me that provides an interesting insight because of who they have in, in Deshaun Watson right. and a guy who's like, like that. I mean, he took the league by yeah. storm as a rookie last year. Would have right. been rookie of the year had he not gotten hurt. Um, and and listen, I'm, we're not trying to compare every every dual threat quarterback or whatever because I, I think all these guys um, are different but what I think is similar is the fact that they really incorporated a lot of those spread option concepts or the RPO right. concepts a lot more frequently um, and we saw the Eagles carry those all the way to um, to a Super Bowl title more and more teams are using them yeah. and more and more teams in this offseason have professed to um, kind of going majorly toward that. The Broncos are one. Broncos I mean, are certainly among them you, since the you end look of the season. The, you look at the changes they made to their co- coaching staff alone. I mean, they're they're clearly putting a focus on developing younger players. I mean, they split the offensive line coaching duties into two roles: mm-hmm. one for interior linemen, one for the tackles. Um, you, there's really an emphasis on honing in on. Um, the technique, the fundamentals, which, you know, is geared toward the younger guys. They, they want to help them make that transition, and they also want to include more of the college game within their system. So if you have a quarterback who can do multiple things, to me, that's like, yes, yeah. that would be great. Right, right. <laughs> the more you can do. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, no doubt, and and that's that's going to be the interesting thing. And I've thought I thought Lamar Jackson is is part of that litmus test, and so so is Baker Mayfield. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he ran those stuff. Just he didn't run the ball as mm-hmm. much, but again, it's with that offense, it's often just the threat of knowing that you have to right. you have to cover for it. We saw Carson Wentz. We we've documented this play uh, several times, both in in our writing and talking here, but when he when he fooled Aqib Tlaib with that with that RPO in Philadelphia, it was just like that's yeah. that's how that's supposed to work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I I, I think Lamar Jackson that that's going to be really interesting to watch. And I also Allen to me what uh, was the most impressive. I said that I thought on the podium he was this like kind of rare combination of loose, poised, and authentic. Mm-hmm. Like it's, he, it's exactly how he was at the Senior Bowl. Too. Yeah, like he just feels he's natural up there, and I I think honesty from players especially at this level especially ones making the transition you appreciate that more you, you feel like the guy's more genuine and he he knows the expectations so. yeah and, and let's be honest when you're talking about a franchise quarterback you, you want a guy that's going to get get fans excited you want a guy that's going to um you, you know be have that have that swagger josh allen has i think a lot of what what baker mayfield has they, they don't mm-hmm. necessarily present it in the exact same way but i think has that kind of like you know swagger and confidence right. that that i think to be to be honest i think the broncos have been missing a little bit in their quarterback room i know trevor simeon um you know it was well liked and, and carried it in a different mm-hmm. way but my thought is that they can just use a little yeah. bit more of that from from what i was told um at the combine i know the broncos came away um pretty impressed by baker mayfield and you know it wasn't purely about what they saw on the field we both impressed on the field it's it was the fact that Baker Mayfield took control of the huddle. Um, you know, he he was in total command. He was calling out plays. He was reading the defenses. At the senior bowl. Yeah, yeah, senior bowl. Sorry. Um, and, and they really liked that. I mean, this is what they've. Trevor Simeon is a good leader, and players respect him. But they need that true one voice on the offense, and, and I think that's what they saw a bit in Baker Mayfield at the senior bowl. So he he helped himself tremendously yeah. uh, at that time. Well, we'll transition from from the combine uh, into into free agency because as we sit here on the sixth, we're we're about a week away from from this, or a little more than a week away from from free agency starting. And you had a great piece in, in the paper today, the Kirk Cousins effect: how the QB will dictate offseason spending for the Broncos and others. And um, you had a lot of good insight uh, in, in this piece about what what this market um, could kind of shape up as. Um, give give me just sort of. Um, an idea of what what you learned, kind of putting this together, and really what the pursuit of Cousins in the general free agency market is is the ripple effect that we'll have. Yeah, I, I think all the dominoes kind of start with him. I don't think teams are going to be waiting on him to make the decision, but you know he's kind of the starting point. He's the starting point for the Broncos and the other teams who are in the mix for for him and other um, quarterbacks. He's the starting point. For other free agent quarterbacks, he's a starting point for other quarterbacks who are looking to renegotiate their deals. Like, you know, it was reported that Aaron Rodgers kind of wants to see what Cousins gets um, because he'll he'll reset that market. Um, now, for the Broncos, it's it's been reported that Kirk Cousins um, will make visits when the when free agency begins March 14th, which is rare nowadays. You don't see guys. Um, you know, wanting to do that. Most of the time, it's, they just like, you know, well, we'll take the money and figure out the rest from there. Yeah, they get but, it done in that tampering period. Right, which I, I think says a lot about um, Kirk Cousins in that it's not just about money with him. He wants to make sure it's the right fit for him. 
um, for his family. It's the right city. So, and, and I think that's an advantage to the Broncos because I, I think, you know, they sell well. <laughs> I think this town sells, sells well. Um, so if they're still in the mix by the end, I, I think it could really help them. Ultimately, it's going to come down to what's more important to him. Is it about winning? Is it feeling like you have a team built for now and years to come? Or is it about getting the biggest contract? Um, I don't know Kirk Cousins. Um, from what I've seen and what I heard, I can't imagine that it's purely about money. Um, but he he has tremendous leverage in this. You know, If he decides to go with a conventional long-term deal, be it like four or five, six years, um, I think it's expected, at least it's expected by Joel Corey, a, a former agent I talked to for this piece, that he will reach the $30 million, $30 million a year mark, um, that he could reach you know, $100 million in overall guarantees. Um, you think the Matt Stafford deal is kind of the, the benchmark in that, and then Jimmy Garoppolo, his new deal, which is, what, 27 and a half in a year? Yeah. You would think, given Kirk Cousins' experience, which is way more than seven career starts, um, what set him over that edge? But then again, he, he could decide, you know, the money's not everything. He could, like Jake Plummer in 03, who was, what, 28 when mm-hmm. he came out of Arizona? Right. He could leave money on the table to go to the team that he feels is better built for the future. Um, there's also, you know, what, what if he decides to go short-term, sign a three-year deal, um, you know, maybe 78, 80 million, which would be close to the three franchise tags he would have played on had the, had the Redskins right. put one on him again. Um, there's also that possibility where you know he could go short term and then try to um, try to get a bigger piece later on. Um, there are just so many variables right now, and so much is being reported and said about um, where he is in the process and who's in, who's out. And I just think it's it's still so early in the process. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that, and I think that's too just sort of like a you know for, for a word of caution of that this is. This is smoke and mirror season. Like right. this, this often is a time where where things get thrown out there. And I, I kind of went back to there, there was a really great Sports Illustrated piece um, done on him a, a few months back, and I forget and I forget who 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 was the writer on that one. But it essentially said that when he when he got the Redskins gave him this like um, this like little cubicle in the building that mm-hmm. they gave him a whiteboard, and he was just um, overcome with glee because he loves to. He loves to plan. He loves to make super detailed um, decisions about every single thing he did. So when I'm sitting here hearing where you say, oh, this team's out, this yeah. team's out, when when he hasn't even started, this right. is a guy who has put in um, an immense amount of preparation and planning into how he's going to do this right. whole thing. And so then to let a report come out 10 days before that he's cutting yeah. teams off, I, I, it it's just hard no for me sense. to find any it's, validity it to that. It makes no sense, and I've been told flat out it is false. Um and I think, you know, what you were talking about with um, how he devours information, how he, he basically lives and breathes football, it's very Manning-esque. You know, he's not Peyton Manning on the field. I don't think you could say that about any player, honestly, but it's very Manning-esque. And what team wouldn't want that? Why would right. the Broncos not want that? So I think that adds to his, his intrigue. I mean, I think it's going to come down to money and what he wants. And, you know, I – Based on John Elway's history, you know, he's not – he typically hasn't broken the bank for a guy. I mean, look at Brock Osweiler. Yeah. They let him take a bigger deal elsewhere, and, you know, that's kind of – that's how John Elway has also built up um, – that's how he built up 
a great defense. Right. You know, he spent big that one offseason, but he's also gotten a lot of hometown discounts from Chris Harris and Derek Wolf, who felt it was more important to stay with this group than chase bigger money elsewhere. Right. So yeah, now that he's he's developed that pattern, um, we'll close with um, three questions that we've gotten from um, from various places, and, and we appreciate you guys can reach out to us. We'll do this. We'll be doing this pod at least every week and potentially more frequently once the season actually begins. Um, but this one came from Theo on Twitter. Do you think Bradley Roby should not get a raise because when the ball went his way, uh, he did nothing but watch the ball go by, no interceptions, maybe one. Two years of Roby ain't that good. Um, <laughs> I don't agree with his assessment, obviously, and, and neither do the Broncos, which is the much more, uh, much more important part. Um, you know, I think that Bradley Roby, as a third corner, um, has continued to prove that he he's ready to kind of play that position. I think you could point to one bad game that was against Cincinnati, in which you know AJ Green, who's one of the best receivers in the league, um, got behind him a couple times. But um, he also answered the bell when Aqib yeah. Talib was suspended. Um, they they've been banking on him for a while, and, yeah. and I think that they're ready to, to put him into a bigger position. Yeah, I they like Roby. That's flat. They like Roby, and they feel like he's ready, and they feel they feel like he performed well. I mean, I'll read you what Van Joseph said at the Combine, and he said, um, Bradley is a first-round pick. He should play well for us. I'm not surprised when he makes plays and when he's playing at a high level. That's what he should do. Obviously, the Oakland game when Akeem was ejected, he played very well. And the game Akeem missed against Miami, I thought Bradley played very well. He's definitely capable, but he should be. He's a first-round pick. There's two parts of that. They really like Bradley Roby, and they're also showing you that he's good when Nakeeb's not there, which says a lot about Akeeb and a lot about Roby. Um, but they like him. They exercise his fifth year. He's getting that raise. And for those who don't know, Vance Joseph really liked Bradley, Ro- Bradley Roby when he coached at Cincinnati. I mean, they all but told Roby they were going to select him in the first round. He ended up dropping down the board, and the Broncos got him. So... Roby's not going anywhere. Yeah, and did have one interception, but 17 passes defense. He was up there among among yeah. le- league leaders despite being a, a third cornerback. So, yeah, they're they're excited to have to have him, um, you know, take that bigger step. And um, mm-hmm. the key, I think, for the Broncos is more not not so much Roby, but how they're going to address the the third corner behind him. You know, if if they mm-hmm. do in fact let go of Aqib Talib, you would really think they're going to need to target another corner. Uh, in the draft or in free agency. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll move to the next one. We have um, with all, this is from Wayne from Rotonda, West Florida, who sent in uh, his question via our mailbag. Um, with all the names being thrown about in the hunt for a free agent quarterback, why has Teddy Bridgewater's name never been mentioned? Before his injury, it seemed that he had a very high ceiling. If healthy, he seems like someone uh, someone who you should take a look at. Why not the Broncos? I actually had dinner uh, in Indianapolis with um, an old friend of mine who, who now works uh, for the Vikings. And, and the first thing he just told me, he raved about just how good of a guy Teddy Bridgewater is. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's a guy who they, who they love there. And, and, and as, this, um, uh, as this reader mentioned, uh, was playing very well. And it, it took the wind out of that whole franchise's sales when he got injured in, in, in training camp. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think that, that he is out of the mix. I think, again, as we were talking about, it's going to be Kirk Cousins that, that dictates right. how things fall. Right. But after that, these guys, just like they do at a draft, putting guys on the board, they have they have a board of, of who these next guys are. And right. so um, certainly I think just like these um, draftees, uh, future draftees, he's got question marks because he's 
basically not played for two years now. Right. And so you're still wondering how he's going to come back fully um, from, from that knee injury. But I, I think, yeah, I mean, he could certainly right. be a part of that mix in the next year. I, I think he is a part of that mix. And I think, like you said, you know, there, it's not that we're not talking about these guys because they're not um, in the mix. It's because it becomes a, a little muddy when you talk about who is number two, who is number three, who is number four on the Broncos list of, uh, on their contingency plans. Right. We know Kirk Cousins is number one. That's why we talk about him. That's who they're going after. From there, it's not as clear which direction they may go in. And there are plenty of options. You know, it's not just Teddy. It's Tyrod Taylor. It's it's Nick Foles. It's Sam Bradford. It's Case Keenum. It's, you know, not getting a free agent, just relying on the draft. So there are so many different options that, you know, it's – you focus on the big one, and when that doesn't happen, you kind of go back and, like, you look at what is – what is the next reasonable option? Yeah, here? and that's John, John Elway mentioned. He's like, it would it would be, you know, I, I'd like to be able to sit here and tell you what our what plan right. is, but the reality is that you they it's stuff that you adjust to on the fly because we right. don't again still ten days away or eight days away we don't know how how it'll all change when the right. chips start fall or when the dominoes start right. falling. So so that's the other yeah. part of it. Um, and then lastly from Kyle Garcia who submitted this question on our Denver Post Broncos Facebook page. How likely are Baker Mayfield or Saquon Barkley to become Denver Broncos this May? Uh, it would actually be late April. Yes. Uh, yeah, at draft April 26th, I believe. Um, Very likely. The Broncos have a top five pick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, again, it's all dependent on kind of what they do or don't do in free agency. That will dictate how they approach the draft. I mean, they could go into it and be able to land the best player available, or they might go into it and say, hey, we got to fill this need. At quarterback, yeah, and they'll approach it that way. I mean, it starts with free agencies, but again, everybody hates hearing this, but there are just so many options and variables right now that everything is honestly a possibility. They could end up in Denver. There's, yeah. you know, there's no reason yeah. to write them off at this point. Probably not both of them. Not both at the same time, <laughs> unless the Broncos just pull off something, something that would magical. Be something. Yeah, um, yeah, but one of them certainly. Yeah, you know, I, I will say that I think at this point, just based on kind of the vibe around the draft and just how well he performed that um, if I, I it, to me it seems that getting Barkley would require a move up at this yeah. point I'd be surprised if he gets to five I would too yeah I would too but you know I wouldn't throw out the possibility of the Broncos moving up yeah no so. that's yeah, again more of those more of those options are on the table so um, yeah we'll we will be continuing obviously um, to to have full coverage as free agency gets ready to begin um, we'll, we'll have plenty of more coverage um, you know, reaction from, from the combine we'll be at pro days this week so just just a ton going on so make sure you're keeping it locked into denverpost.com uh, slash Broncos if you haven't subscribed yet first first month subscription 99 cents um, can't be that so and then again on the podcast if you like us, subscribe on any of your major podcast apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, uh, and the like. For, for Nikki Javala, I'm Nick Kosmider. We'll talk to you guys again soon.